This year, we're looking at one of the most phenomenal verses of Scripture in Isaiah 9, 6. It's read often, many times during this time of year, and we're looking at specific titles or names that is listed there. And so our sermon series is, He Shall Be Called. And we looked at this babe that was born in Bethlehem, Jesus, who is our King and our Savior. We, we have looked at Him as our wonderful counselor, and we have looked at Him as our mighty God. And today we're going to be looking at the title, Everlasting Father. I don't know about you, but I have to confess, I don't know everything about God. In fact, I remember when I was in junior high, before I even came to know the Lord as my Savior, I struggled within myself. I was raised in a home that, that believed in God, that believed there was a God. But, but I came to this, this crossroads in my junior high just wondering if God is real. Have you ever had that? We just wondered, is, is God real? Is, is, is he, is he, and, and at that moment of walking to school one morning, I don't know what it was that I woke up that day that had my mind on God, but I did, and I walked to school, and that question just, just was just burdening me. Is there a God? And, and you know, I, I wasn't reading the Bible. I I was just walking to school, and I came to a conclusion. I just kind of had this, this overwhelming sense of coldness within me that I came to the conclusion at the moment, but yes, there is a God. I, I, my parents believed in God, my grandparents, but I looked around, even though, you know, my, my, maybe my, my science teachers uh, taught everything else but God. I, I came at that moment saying that, that, that God does exist, and, and that really kind of set me on my journey to, to know God, to understand God. But even going to seminary and being in ministry for a number of years, I'm still at a loss of how big and how great our God really is. He, truly, the Bible, when it says that His ways are past finding now out, and you know, who could be His counselor, who could be His instructor, there are still things about God that I, that I yet do not understand. And perhaps I will not understand until I see Him face to face. And to me, this title... dumbfounds me. It, 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 it's, it's so true, yet it's so magnificent, my mind cannot wrap around its truth. Because Jesus is the everlasting Father. Make me think about that for a moment. Because the Bible teaches that God is a triune God. So, in this first point, I really want to lay the theological foundation for us this morning. And then the second half of the sermon, based on the theological understanding, 
look at some things that are very practical for us to walk away with. But the Bible teaches that God is triune. You'll never find the word Trinity, which means three in one in the Bible, but the truth is present everywhere. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Shema, where it says, our God is one. God being Elohim, our Lord, Jehovah, He is one. Our God, plurality, three, is one. God presents Himself in three ways, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet I, I cannot comprehend that truth. And no matter what all the human efforts that we do that we tried to describe the, for example, describe the Trinity as like water, H2O, that could be presented as a, as a gas, a vapor, and a solid that, that H2O is one, the compound, but it can be in three different forms. I, I still think that pales in comparison to the greatness of God. We, we might be able to look at, at our human body because the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. We have body, mind, and soul. There's three parts to us, but yet we're one. And, and yet still, I think it pales in comparison the, the greatness of how we see God and how He presents to us as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The truth is there. I accept it, even when I can't totally comprehend it. Do you follow me? God is just big. And then we come to Isaiah 9, 6. That gives, Isaiah gives the prophecy of the Messiah of Israel, the King of Israel who's to come, and the weight of the government will be placed upon his shoulder, and he's called a wonderful counselor, he's called the mighty God, he is divine, and all of a sudden we come and we see this title of everlasting Father. And it gets me. Because you see, God the Father and God the Son are in one essence. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So much so that during agreement, we see in Jesus' personal ministry that Jesus cannot speak what the Father has not spoken. Jesus will not do in which the Father has told Him to do. They're co-equal. They're, they're in every, every aspect of the person of Jesus in all of the, the attributes as being all-powerful and, 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 and being uh, uh, all-knowing and, and eternal and loving, all the attributes of God are, can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we look at Scriptures, we see that there's God the Father, we see there's God the Son, but they are one in essence. We don't serve and worship three different gods. There's only one God in which we worship. He's the Jehovah Israel. He's Jesus of the New Testament. He is the King. He is the Creator. He is majestic. But yet, He's one. 
Like I said, I, I do not comprehend in my finite thinking and mind how this can be, but it's true nonetheless. And God the Son is the manifestation of God the Father in the flesh. I love this. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, and whoever sees me sees him who sent me. And who sent Jesus? The Father. The Father. After Jesus had been with the disciples for a multiple of years, about three and a half years, he had taught them before his, his he went to uh, the garden to pray before his arrest and trial and crucifixion. As he was teaching his disciples, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. In other words, you know, show us, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. I love Jesus' response because Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you, and you still do not know me, Philip? Show me the Father, Philip, you still don't know me. Whosoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So here is Philip saying, I want to I see the Father. And Jesus goes, here I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because Jesus, God the Son, is manifesting the Father to the world. That's profound to me. As John 1.14 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we see the glory and the majesty of God in the person of Jesus full of grace and truth. How great is our God. And God the Son is eternal. In the beginning was the Word, logos, an expression. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh. God manifested Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we might know Him, that He might be our sacrifice that our sins could be forgiven and that we could receive eternal life. But notice that the Son had been with God long before He came to this earth. So much so, we see, I forgot to put the Scripture in there. <laughs> My fault. Walter didn't know. It's on me. So much so about eternal God that when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, 
and they were offended because Jesus was speaking as if he knew Abraham personally. And he said these words, before Abraham was, I am. That offended them because there's power in the words of I am. Remember when Moses saw that, that bush that was on fire but not consumed, and God spoke to him out of that bush and gave Moses a mission, and Moses says, well, who shall I say is sending me? And God says, I am what I am is sending you. In the Jewish mind, when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, that they would have known that Jesus the Son was equating himself with the God of Moses. And he's eternal. In fact, we're told that before even the worlds were formed, that God had already planned for Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Eternal. How great is our God? Jesus is the everlasting Father. So there's a theological basis here that will move us to some practical understanding and maybe impact in our life because Jesus demonstrates paternal love. I think it's difficult for people sometimes to think of God as a father. Perhaps it's because they were abused in some way by their father. Perhaps their father was simply absent. Perhaps the father was in the home but still absent. (laughs) And people struggle with the concept because of the poor experiences they've had with their father. But the truth is that Jesus is the perfect one to demonstrate what it means to be a father with paternal love. There are several things that a father should give his children. And we see them in the person of Jesus. For example, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This is, you know, in John 15, he's talking about, you know, abiding, remaining in Jesus. And he wanted the disciples to understand as, look, as my Father has loved me with that same type of fatherly, self-sacrificial love, I am loving you. I'm loving you. Jesus loves us with a paternal love. And with that then, He is present in our lives. It's important, and dads, hear me out. Sometimes we get so busy 
with work. I'm providing for my family. God bless you. But do you know what your children need more? Not your paycheck, but you. They want to spend time with you. Be there. And Jesus does that with us. He is there, present with us. Notice what Hebrews 13.5 says. Here in the book of Hebrews, Jewish Christians were being persecuted, words of encouragement, but he reminds them, the Hebrew writer, keep your life free from the love of money, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is dependable and present when we need Him. We're like that little kid, you know, when we're in trouble, we come up to Dad, 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 and He answers. He's present because He promised He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's a place of safety because he know, we know that He'll be there for us. He is present. And if Jesus, who loves us with a paternal love, is present and makes Himself available to us, me as a father, need to make myself available to my children. Can I just, dads, I, I, might, I might be stepping on your toes a little bit today, but this hits home with me. Do not dismiss your children when they want to come and talk to you. Sometimes I've done this with my children. I regret it. But I remember times they'd come up to me, and they'd say, Dad, Dad, they needed to talk to me, but I was so busy. No, later, no, later, no, later, after this. Guess what happens? Guess what messaging we keep telling our children that they're not important to us, that there's something greater ahead, and we're dismissing them. And so guess what? If we're not going to give them the time, the present, to listen to them, they're going to go to someone and find someone to, to listen to. Now, I don't know about you, that's a dangerous thing. So, dads, we need to be present for our children, just as Jesus is present for us. That when they have a place and they say, Dad, I need to talk to you about something, you know, your son comes, Dad, I got this girl. And you're like, oh, me. Or your daughter comes up, Dad, I got a guy. Hold on, sweetheart, let me go get the gun. But you can listen to them. But, but think about this. What happens when your children make mistakes? Right? How many times are children so frightful to go to their parents and say, I messed up? But yet we need to let them know that when they do mess up, they can come. 
Because we love them and we'll forgive them and we'll help them. We won't condemn them. We won't shut them down. We'll not reject them. And that takes place when we are present in their lives. Okay, off my soapbox for a little bit. Thank you, brother. But he's also our helper. In verse 6 of that same passage, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. That he's our helper. He comes to our aid. He helps us in times of need. I remember as a, as a young man, when the original Star Wars came out, I was mm, years old. I was a little tyke, right? And the Star Wars was a phenomenon, right? I mean, they started making action figures and all this stuff. And I remember, you know, my, my dad was in construction. We didn't have a lot of money. Things were tight a lot of times in the winter because work was scarce. You know, it just, it just, it just was feast or famine. And I remember one time, Dad always brought home, and I think this is what made my love of woodworking, uh, was my dad would always bring home wood, and he would just build things. I remember one time in the garage, he was, I don't know, making something, and I was trying to, you know, build, I don't know, I was trying to build this Death Star, you know, I was trying to like, you know, put things together with different floors and, and, and different things, and I was struggling because I didn't have the skills. I didn't know have the know-how, how things should go. And I remember that, that, that instance that Dad came and helped me build it. And uh, I really appreciated that. And I remember that after that, Dad wasn't home. I tried to build something else Star Wars related. And I was struggling, and I was upset. And Dad came home, and he saw me crying. And he, and he, and he, he said, what's wrong? I said, Dad, I can't, I can't do it. I can't make it. I just remember my dad said, my, that was probably the first embrace I remember my dad giving me is at that moment, telling me it's going to be okay. And he helped me make it. And, and, but do you know what it taught me in life? That, that even as, as really insignificant as making something is, that not only is my dad present, but he's going to help me. And he's going to help me there, and he's going to help me figure out things of life. And when I'm in trouble, he's going to help me. You know, when my car breaks down, my dad helped help me a whole lot. You know, but, but how about things in life, trying to figure out life? And dads, we need to help our kids. Amen. They are worth it. Just as Jesus is willing to help us. Because as I said, there's no better place to go to as a child when you're struggling, someone you can be confident in who will help you. Yeah. And that's Jesus for us. We can always go to Jesus. The Scriptures also tell us, if we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love this passage of Scripture. It tells me that Jesus sympathizes with our humanity. He understands what it means to struggle as a human being. I mean, who, who better to think about who was hated, 
rejected, persecuted, tempted, yet did not sin, in every point like us, who else better to go to for help than someone who totally understands us? Now, sometimes young kids will think, my parents will never understand. Kids, uh, do me a favor. Your, children, your parents know more than you think they do. And they've experienced more than you think they have. Now, yeah, they, they didn't grow up in your generation. And, you know, they didn't have social media back in my day like they do today. There's some things that are different but the principles of rejection and hate and, you know, relationships that are in turmoil and we understand. We do understand. And what a, a father does is he relates to his children. We can go to him with confidence to find that grace to help. I don't know about you. I'm 51 years old and still need all the help I can get at the throne of God's grace. He is my helper. Even when I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through and understand all my emotions and feelings that I have and the turmoil in my own heart, I know that He does. And He helps me sort it all out so I can be healthy and well in my worship and service to Him. He is our helper. But He's also one who affirms. In John 17, 23, this is the passage that is usually referred to as the, as, as the high priestly prayer. This whole chapter is dedicated to Jesus praying to his Father. And he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. To affirm a father's love. That our children will know, or what Jesus wants, that we are loved. We have that affirmation. What young men need today from their fathers is to know that their father loves them. Dads, it's okay to embrace your son. Give him a hug. And tell him these words. I'm proud of you. That's what every young man wants to hear from their father. They don't want the message of always making a mistake, always making dad upset, always being disciplined. There has to be moments where it has to be balanced, where dad says, I love you and I'm proud of you, son. 
And dads, this is what your daughter wants to hear. Daughter, you're beautiful. I love you, and you're beautiful. In fact, oftentimes it's been stated that a young woman's value is, is foundation is built by her father's response to her. And you look at your daughter and you say, I love you and you're beautiful. I cherish you. You, 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 are, you are God's gift to me. Because if she doesn't find that in, in dad, she's going to run around and find it in some other man. Might not be good. Now, hopefully, eventually, the right man will come along. But dads, our daughters need to hear and be affirmed, I love you and you're beautiful. And Jesus affirms us. You know what he says? I love you. You are the child of the king. When I see you, I see you as my child who's holy and blameless and righteous. When you fall and you make a mistake, you're still my child. And I love you. And I'll pick you up. I'll dust you off. And I'll forgive you. And every day of every moment of our life, Nothing can ever change our relationship with Jesus. We can get upset at God. We can hold our fists up to God. Maybe things didn't work out the way we thought they should. And we can get so upset. But you know what Jesus still tells us? I love you. And you're still my child. You remember the story of the prodigal son? a story about God's love for us. His father had a son who wanted his inheritance. He took, his father gave it to him. He spent it all and just lived a sinful life. And I'm sure words got back to dad how sinful he was living. But dad's love for him never changed. And when he, that father saw his son coming around on that dirt road back home, the father ran to him, embraced him, and loved him. And the son just wanted to say, you know, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'll just be a servant. Uh-uh. He was the father's son. And the father forgave him and rejoiced at him coming home. That's the kind of father we have. And he affirms us. He lets us know, I love you. I love you. And I love you. But not only does he affirm, he's a provider. There's several passages of scriptures that we could look at this morning, but I settled on this one in Philippians 4.19. The church at Philippi was a poor church, and they kind of resumed their their giving to Paul and helping him in his ministry. And Paul recognized their sacrifice and their giving. 
And, and, he, and he told him this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need, every need. You know, even Jesus told his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, don't worry about what you wear, what you eat, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I think we have a God that supplies our needs. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from the Father above. He's a provider. He provides, he sees a need, and he pro- now he may not give us our wants, right? There's probably some wants that we have. You know, when the, you know, the, the lottery gets up to billions of dollars, I know you're all tempted to play. Oh, Lord, if I could just, well, the money, the, just think about what I can do with that money, you know, the new mansion, the new car. We try to make it spiritual. Think about the missions that we can support, right? Now, God may not supply all our wants, but God has never failed to supply everything I need. Not once. Because he provides for us. He provides. So you see, time after time after time, we see Jesus demonstrating paternal love for us. But what will our response be to him? The ultimate expression of love is when Jesus took your place and my place on the cross to die for our sins. There's no greater expression of love than Jesus dying for you. Why? Because He's the everlasting Father. What father would not make sacrifice for his children? God loved this whole world that he gave his son Jesus to die for our sins and that whoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. God loves you that much. Jesus loves you that much. He willingly gave his life exchange for yours. So in response to God's paternal love, I'm going to ask you this morning, have you believed in him? Have you trusted him as your savior? If not, in just a few moments, I want to give you the opportunity to do just that. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus now. But maybe you you have trust issues and it's still difficult to think of Jesus as being, you know, that, that one that you can trust to go to and help you and he's present with you and he's a, he provides for you. 
Maybe, maybe you struggle with that, but the truth is there. Will you just surrender your life to Him? Will you go to the Father? the perfect Father, and embrace and accept His love for you, and return that love by giving your entire life to Him. Because the greatest commandment we're ever giving is to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength. Will you love God in return for loving you this morning? Let's stand together. And if you're here this morning not knowing Jesus as your Savior, I would hope and to pray that you would come, and I would love to pray with you. I would love to counsel with you. I'm going to ask you to come. Perhaps you're here this morning and you are struggling with the concept of, of God, of, of Jesus, the Son of God, being that one who has shown His paternal love to you, but He loves you. I don't know how many more ways I can tell you how much He loves you. I'm just going to point to the cross. We who love Him in return. Maybe you want to come and kneel in prayer. Maybe you just, you just want to thank God for loving you the way He does. But I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Will you come? Will you trust Jesus? Will you surrender your life to Him today, this very moment? Because He is worthy of our entire life. Will you come? Why don't you bow your heads with me and I'm going to lead us in prayer. And if you'd like to come pray, please feel free to do so. If you want to come, tug on my arm and say, Brother Todd, I need a, I want to talk to you. I want, I want to receive Jesus right here, right now. I would love to pray alongside you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for embracing us with your love. Father, you are worthy of the entirety of our lives. Father, you gave your life in exchange for ours that we could spend eternity with you, that our sins could be forgiven, that, Father, that, we can, we, that you will help us to live the lives that honor you. Father, we're so thankful that your word reminds us that we are loved by you and that you provide for us and you are a helper and you're with us every step of our journey on this earth. Father, that brings comfort. And Father, I pray that our lives will be of such that bring you honor and glory that we will love you as you have loved us. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.